The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome, welcome to another episode of Punt Intended, a fantasy NBA dynasty podcast. I'm your host, Rhett Bauer, joined as always by my co-host, Travis Fuller. Glad to be here for another episode. I think we finally did it. It took us some time, but we were able to get our ranks in order, uh, hash it out, and and finally uh, they should be updated within, I would say, within the next week. Yeah, absolutely. Probably the next week or so. And in case you guys hadn't noticed, we're going to be talking about our updated Dynasty rankings. But before we get to that, I got to give everybody a round of applause because we got to 20 reviews on Apple Podcasts, which means we will be doing a mailbag. So send all your questions in on Twitter at Rhett underscore Bauer and at Travis underscore Fuller 92 on Discord, wherever you want to send us a question. We'll be sure to receive it, mark it down and talk about it on the podcast, potentially with a guest. So be on the lookout for that. You might get some extra thoughts, some bonus feedback on your potential trades. So today we are talking about our updated dynasty rankings and we have a few categories to discuss The first one is the biggest riser of the rankings, and I'm sure you're not going to be surprised with who it is, but Trav, who was the biggest riser in our rankings? First off, I do want to say it was not my burner account that gave us that 20 (laughs) rating at all. So I know I was thinking about it. I was like, man, I I might have to do it. I want a mailbag episode. I already created four in game (laughs) rankings, so I just decided not to make a fifth. Oh, so it wasn't me. We really appreciate that. And, and we're glad to be doing another mailbag. Really excited for that. But back to it, our biggest rise, lots of guys on here. Mainly the kind of the theme here is youth guys get an opportunity. And, and the first man on our list, the biggest riser is Time Lord himself, Robert Williams, moving up 41 spots. Uh, someone we were both down on. He, he, this whole offseason with Time Lord has really been uh, lots of big swings. We We got down on him after the Al Horford trade a little bit, a lot of that being, you know, thinking Brad Stevens didn't like him and was trying to limit his playing time. And all of a sudden now he gets a four-year deal and looks to be a guy that could potentially lead the team in minutes at center. Yeah, so we bumped him up all the way to 78 in our rankings, which was 26 spots up for me and 55 spots up for Travis. And realistically, the extension he got isn't some extremely confidence-inspiring, you are our starting center moving forward no matter what. It's four for 54, which is almost Nerland's Noel money. That's Rashawn Holmes' money. So there's definitely some slight hesitation there, but he's a fantasy monster, a per-minute monster. And so extremely excited to see what he does for the Celtics this year. And if he starts the season getting... 26 to 30 minutes a game, he's probably going to jump up a bit of the top 40 because he's just insane per minute. No doubt. We've mentioned it before. I'll mention it again because it, it's pretty incredible. What he was able to do last year, just 19 minutes a game and a top 70 player. So no doubt if he bumps that up to even, you know, 24 minutes, let's say he splits it with Al Horford 50, 50 at that center position. Uh, it's potentially a top 50 player and somebody that we're going to continue to probably move up our ranks if that playing time is there for a player with his uh, 
youth. The second player who had the second biggest rise should not be a surprise at all. We have talked about him very often. I am all over him on Twitter, and that's Jaden McDaniels. Jumped up 40 spots in our rankings. And before you say it's just me driving the rankings because I have him inside the top 30, Travis also moved him up a whole bunch. And it was every time we opened the rankings and looked at where he was, it was like, man, you just got to bump him up a couple spots. And so you combine that with opening our rankings like a couple times a day. And you magically have Jaden McDaniels close to a top 100 dynasty asset. Yeah, it's it's funny. He was a guy for for both of us that every time you look at the rankings, it's like, okay, I'm gonna uh, I would probably take him over so and so, move him up another five spots, move him up another three spots, and then all of a sudden he's inside our top 100, which is really surprising. But he's extremely raw. He's only 20 years old. But Minnesota has so much confidence in him. They didn't add anybody at the power forward position. It looks like he's going to be there starting alongside Cat. And I don't see any way or anybody there to challenge him for 30 minutes per game. They did trade Ricky Rubio for Torian Prince. We talked about that in our offseason episode, breaking down all the moves for the Western Conference and such. But Jaden McDaniels, man, like if he gets 30 minutes a game, he's going to be a one, one, one candidate. He's going to improve. So the shooting percentage is probably going to be up. And if the Minnesota Timberwolves have all of their offensive weapons available, Jaden McDaniels will be necessary to be out there for defense. If they have a lineup out there with D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, Malik Beasley and Cat, like that's not a whole lot of defense. So they're going to have to throw somebody out there. That person is Jaden McDaniels. And I'm extremely excited to see where he goes this year. Someone you definitely have to be patient with for sure. He, you know, coming out of Washington, he was extremely talented, had all the physical features you want to see in an NBA player, but he was really raw and Washington played a a two, three zone. So you really didn't know how his defense would translate to the NBA. And that's actually his best part of the game, his game currently. And the reason that he's able to start for them. So somebody that's to be, Definitely be patient with. Yes, he's inside our top 100. I'm not sure if he's going to get there next year. We'll see how his efficiency is and see how that offensive game progresses. But man, you you have to love his upside as much as anybody else in that range. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. There's also something to the organization coming out and backing him. They have talked about Jaden McDaniels as a core piece for that team, which matters a ton, especially with the players that they have already invested in putting Jaden McDaniels on the same level or in the same grouping, same sentence as Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, and Anthony Edwards is just massive for the confidence for him. Next player, shout out to all you people who are giving me grief in the discords on Twitter about this guy. I jumped him up. I told you I would. I was hesitant on him coming into this offseason. Beef stew. And he jumped up 31 spots into the top 100 it's about role and opportunity there. And Kelly Olenek did get signed, but they don't have a ton of other options because they traded Mason Plumlee out. So they cleared room for him and he's going to be pretty good this year. 
Yeah, somebody that we were both somewhat low on. I know in one of our very first, one of the original episodes, we mentioned his name and pretty much just both thought he was going to be more of a role player, kind of a backup center, fighting for minutes. Uh, the, the comp that I will go back to, and I still think this is somebody like Nerlens Noel, who's kind of a hustle guy, give, give you good stocks, get you boards, high field goal percentage. But nothing extremely special, no reason to take him so early. But, but man, he, he did look decent in the time he got. And the biggest thing you mentioned, Plumley being gone, the minutes at the five are going to be there for him. My only hesitation with him still is long-term, how is that fit going to be? with Cade there, with Hayes, if they're in the top five again next year or the year after that, and there's a big there like Mobley was this year, um, how's that fit going to be long-term and where's he going to fit in as far as his offensive game goes? But he does have a really good defensive game, good hustle, a lot of energy, and, and I know Pistons fans really like him. There's no way to know what that draft situation is going to look like, but right now in the short term and projecting that role moving forward, He's a top 100 dynasty asset, which is really great for those of you who bought into him early, unlike myself. <laughs> Moving on to a couple guards down in New Orleans, Devontae Graham and Nikhil Alexander-Walker, both up about 12 spots. And it may be surprising to see both of them go up because you think that if Graham came in, then that means Nas stays the same. But I don't think that's the case, and neither did you. Not at all. I mean, it's it's a whole new backcourt with this Pelicans team. No Bledsoe, no Lonzo. So obviously the minutes are going to be there. I, I know a lot of us were hoping that it would be a Kyra Lewis and Naw backcourt there, especially for those that bought stock in Lewis and held him for a year and have bought stock in Naw and owned him for a couple years now. But I, I really like the way all three of these guys are going to fit in. They're gonna, They're all going to play a little bit. And I love probably Graham the most out of these three guys. They they traded a lottery protected first to bring Graham in, which is a big deal and tells you what they think of him and, and how much they wanted him as part of this team. And he's a guy I, I want in every league that I'm punting field goal percentage. Without a doubt, he's going to bring a certain level of high volume shooting that they needed. And we saw Lonzo thrive in that role last year. Obviously, Lonzo had a bit more defensive upside, which contributed to his top 50 season, but the minutes are there. It's more likely Naw takes minutes from Graham than, than what he did with Lonzo. Not to mention they just, I feel like they need to find out what they have in Naw and, and Kyra Lewis to a lesser extent. Moving on to the next section, which is the biggest fall, the biggest fall guys of our rankings. And at the first two, Kawhi Leonard and Victor Oladipo. Kawhi dropped 34 spots outside the top 50. Oladipo dropped 61 spots outside the top 150. That just makes sense. Like Kawhi's going to miss almost all the year. Oladipo's going to miss the start of the year. And the Heat got a whole lot of players in, like most importantly, Kyle Lowry. That's going to take a lot of shots and usage from Victor Oladipo, even when he is healthy. Yeah, it was kind of difficult to rank both these guys because obviously we knew we had to drop them. But how far do they drop? And with Kawhi, I just kept going back to it. It wasn't just the injury, but it's when he comes back, you know, how much are they going to limit that workload on his body? The, you know, now and moving forward, he just got that four year deal uh, recently signed this summer so that they're going to be cautious with him once he does come back. And there's going to be a lot of load management there. I, 
the way I kind of ranked it is I would take almost anybody inside our top 50 for Kawhi straight up at the moment. Now, obviously, that's going to depend on what way your team is at and if you're trying to compete or uh, if you're a rebuilding team. But if you're trying to compete and you own Kawhi, I, I mean, I would take anybody inside the top 50 for him. When we talked about my trade involving Kawhi Leonard, I traded Drew Holiday out. You said you really liked it, and I couldn't disagree. I thought it was good for both sides. So the next player there is Denny Avdia. He dropped 64 spots coming off an injury and coming into a rotation that now all of a sudden has six extra players compared to last year. Just it's it's real tough to see what he's going to be, especially bringing in some some ball handlers and some players on the wing. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, it's really unfortunate that he was hurt last year and we really didn't get to see what he was capable of for most of that season. But the biggest thing here is exactly what you said is opportunity is now lacking. It was a perfect fit for him last year. And and he was a guy that was drafted uh, top eight, I want to say, in most rookie drafts, just because Washington was really desperate for wings. And now all of a sudden, I feel like they have a, a bunch. You know, they still have Rui there. They... Brought in uh, KCP, brought in Kuzma, uh, drafted Corey Kispert. So now there's all of a sudden a lot more competition for the two, three, four spots on that Wizards team. And and I'm not sure if he was going to get enough minutes to be relevant or to develop in the way he needs to. It's also unclear whether or not the Wizards are going to give him enough opportunity to know what he is. So he could be one of those second draft candidates. Another good second draft candidate could potentially be Marvin Bagley, who dropped 46 spots in our rankings, absolutely demolished by the return of Rashawn Holmes, which you may disagree with, but them bringing back Rashawn Holmes means Bagley just won't be playing the five very much at all. And I'm not sure he's even a starter on that team, honestly. Yeah, you really have to ask yourself, what do the Kings think of this guy moving forward and how much more time do they want to spend developing him? And I mean, obviously, he needs to stay on the court himself. So there's some some personal things as well that he needs to work on. I try not to drop him too far because he is still young and you just never know how a player will develop in a new situation and how a team might utilize him. So I did try to keep that in mind when I dropped him in the ranks, but it's, it's absolutely warranted at this point. You know, he's, he's not, this is year going to be year four for him. Uh, so somebody that really needs to start showing what he's capable of uh, as a high lottery pick that he was. It's a bummer how poorly things have gone for him, but when you can't stay healthy and the team is making moves around you, it just kind of happens that way. Sometimes a couple other players to talk about here, Dylan Brooks dropped down 40 spots and Laurie Markkinen dropped down 34. I think that's just a casualty of the moves around them, less so than about the players themselves. Dylan Brooks, I just don't like him as a player very much, honestly. So that's that's probably why I dropped him a little bit. But it also happened that there's a bunch of rookies jumped up ahead of him. There's a good amount of younger players that got more opportunity, I feel like, that moved up ahead of him. And then there's also Zaire Williams who comes in. Jarrett Culver comes in. So there's just going to be less minutes not to mention the fact that he might be on the trade block reportedly from a couple random league sources, which may or may not be true. So combine that. And then you've got Laurie Markkinen, who is still unsigned, could potentially be on the Bulls playing a backup role, might be somewhere else. His ranking is going to change depending on where he signs. But at the moment, both of these guys are just 
dropped. They're just, they just fell. Yeah. And it's all situation based for them. Nothing's really changed as far as their talent goes injury wise, nothing like that. Uh, it's all situation marking in, you know, we've talked about him on, on our last episode. You really don't know where he's going to expect. I don't expect him to be back with the bulls, but it wouldn't shock me for him to sign that qualifying offer and become unrestricted next year and see if he can maybe improve his stock off the bench in the second unit for the bulls. And then you mentioned it, Dylan Brooks, uh, that team just looks like they're trying to do more of a youth movement and instead of trying to compete. And that scares me a little bit with his value. I know he's only 25, but they just have a lot of guys that can take minutes away from him. So guys like Bain, who had looked really good in the summer league, uh, Melton, a lot of different, a lot of different options that can potentially take minutes away from him. And I, I don't, like his outlook long-term once he's off that team. Let's just say that Dylan Brooks should never lead an NBA team in field goals attempts. <laughs> never lead an <laughs> NBA team in field goals attempted ever. Yeah. You, you don't want that to happen. No, uh, but it, it did. <laughs> Dylan Brooks wants that to happen. And that is about it. <laughs> Moving on the most controversial players we had. This is where I had some changes that Travis did not. Travis had some changes that I did not. And just an overall disparity in the rankings that we wanted to talk about. First one is Darius Garland. I talked with Josh Lloyd about it on his podcast, the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. We talked about it on our own as well. Garland is, I think, due for a really, really big year. So much so that I actually put him inside my top 40 for dynasty assets. And so that jumped his ranking up only four spots to 45, but Trav kept him at 52. And I'm just wondering why you didn't bump Garland up more than that. Uh, Nothing's really changed with that team. I felt pretty strong with him being right around that 50 range in my initial ranks and didn't, didn't really have a need to bump him up anymore. Just looking at the guys around that range. uh, I, I, first off, I really do like Garland as a player. But there's a lot of guys around that range that I think I would take ahead of him. And I'm certain I would take ahead of him. Guys like Tyrese Halliburton, I, I like long-term a little bit more. And I think he's going to be a little bit more of a playmaker this year. I just love his overall game. So just certain guys like that that kind of fall within that same range that I have ahead of Garland. Now, Garland could go out there, have another great season. And, and I would definitely, he's going to be on the rise. But I, I do want to see it for a full season not just kind of the spurts that he showed last year. Understandable. And especially the point about it being more about the players ahead of him than the player himself, because yep. the top 50, like if Kawhi Leonard doesn't make it, Jamal Murray doesn't make it. And Jonathan, I like all of these guys that are proven top 10, 15, 20 players. It's just a really tough group to crack into. So I can't fault you there. Next one is James Wiseman, and this is one that you were far higher on than I was. I had him 102, you had him 77 for an overall rank of 88, and is this more about what Wiseman can be or what you think he can be on the Warriors? Yeah, I, I dropped him a little bit, but man, nothing's really changed. He he played like four games at Memphis, and then he ended up leaving, so he was really well. I thought he got a really just kind of the raw end of of the whole deal. I, I mean, he he barely played any collegiate basketball, and then the COVID hits. There was no summer league, not much training camp, and then he was just kind of thrown in there and said, "Hey, we need a starter, starting center." 
go out there and, and see what you got. So he's a player that needed more, a little bit more development than, than what he got last year. So I try not to look at what he did last year and be, Oh, he, he didn't live up to the hype. So I want, I really like to see what he can do this year. I tried not to make too big of a reaction based on last year's numbers. And I think he has all the potential in the world. His actually, his jump shot looked a lot better than I thought it would be. So there, there was something there as well. Uh, and somebody that I think can, can get some good minutes this year is going to just improve year by year and looks to be the the starting center there long-term or a trade where he can get more minutes even sooner. I understand. And I had him one Oh two. So it wasn't like I was crazy, but you had him 77, which is ahead of guys like time Lord, like Mitchell Robinson, like Killian. Hey, like Patrick Williams. There's a lot of guys you had him ahead of that. I just, I was very surprised by I'm really bullish on him. I, I yeah, I, I just don't want to. I don't want to overreact too much because of, like, like I mentioned, all that, all the stuff that happened last year. No summer league, limited training camp. I mean, the guy just basically he basically went from high school to being the starting center for an NBA team, and that's and an NBA team that's oh, trying to be good at that. Yeah, and it's always difficult. And obviously, we know Steve Kerr's system can be a little bit funky for guys if you're not the right fit. So there was a big learning curve, but. I like I like him there. I think Draymond's a good mentor for him. So I'm really, really excited to see what he can do this year. And obviously I'll adjust accordingly if he comes out and doesn't look any better than he did last year. Shout out to Kelly Oubre for not fitting that system at all. <laughs> uh, next player we had that was a bit controversial was Mo Bamba. I had him 99th. You had him 137th and you actually dropped him 13 spots from last time as well for an overall ranking of 115, which I think is pretty... That's pretty all right for where he is. It's probably a little bit ambitious, actually. But what made you drop Bamba and have him closer to 150 than anything? Mainly because I'm more a believer in Wendell Carter Jr. there than I am with Bamba. And we just really haven't gotten to see Bamba given an opportunity yet. Where basically this ranking is all potential. I'm really shocked to see you have him inside the, the top 100 there just based on straight potential and not really showing too much. He uh, showed 1.4 blocks a game in like 16 minutes. In limited minutes, right. But he just hasn't really developed a whole lot, and it's not really his fault. He just never really got in an opportunity, and I think he's just going to need to to go to a new team to get that opportunity. And I, I see him and Wendell Carter Jr. being a little bit farther apart than where you have him. You have Wendell Carter at 98 and then Bob at 99. Uh, so I, I just see him being a little bit further apart than that in, in terms of my own rankings. And I like Bamba. I really hope that he can find a role on a team because, as you mentioned, per game, he's a beast right now. I understand your idea of Wendell Carter Jr. being further apart from Bamba, but I think this is the season that's going to tell us that because we're going to find out very quick, maybe not very quickly as they try to find the balance between the two, but they're going to give the minutes to who they want. And then they're both going into restricted free agency. So there's a very good chance that you'll see who the magic prefer. And then obviously have to wait to see what the opportunity for the other player is in restricted free agency. But yeah, this, I don't is, know. this is an excellent example of why we average our rankings out because yes, it I mean, is. What, yeah, I'm, I'm would I take him at lower. 100? Probably not. No, but like <laughs> just looking at some of the players and what Bamba can be, it's pretty, it's pretty good. Yep. And yeah, yeah. And I'm probably a little bit lower than maybe I, I should be, but 115 overall, it just seems about right. 
that's, so, that's good that's, stuff. That's why we have that's why we have <laughs> the averages there. And another guy who was drastically impacted from the averages relative to our individual ranks was Ricky Rubio, who I had at 240, which is a little bit low, I'll admit that. But you had him at 181, which is a little high, if you'll admit that. So an overall ranking of 208. Now on the Cleveland Cavaliers as a guaranteed backup, what made you have Rubio that much higher? And then then I'll get into why I have him so much lower. So at this range, I really like guys that can be elite in a couple stats. And for Rubio, that just happens to be stats that are really important for a lot of teams, uh, or a lot of our, our fantasy teams, and that's assists and steals. And I, I actually don't mind the role that he's going to have on this Cavaliers team. I, I don't think he's going to be just strictly relegated to backup point guard duties. I think he's going to be the first guard off the bench. And if you look at what he's been able to do when he can get mid-20s minutes, I mean, he's a pretty solid player. Last year, he got 26 minutes. I know he started a lot more. And he was uh, right around that 120 range, ranking-wise. I don't think he's going to get that many minutes again this year. And we can obviously expect that ranking to fall a little bit. But when you're drafting him here in the the 200, the 180 to 200 range, you don't you know you don't need him to be a top 100 guy to get value out of him. So mainly with him, again, it, it, to me, it goes back to the elite stats that he's good at, assists and steals, and that being something that almost every build needs. Anything after 150 is getting into pretty specific timeline and build because you're not going to take a guy like Denny Avdia over Ricky Rubio if you're contending. Like, you're just not going to do that. But our rankings say that they're about the same. So just keep that in mind when you're looking at this. It is impossible for us to tell you what the ranking is for your specific situation. So just take our trains of thought apply it to your situation, use a little common sense, sprinkle some Twitter questions in there, and you'll end up having a good draft. (laughs) The next group of players, the last category we have is hardest to rank. And that's a good thing that I just got done talking about because the entire 170 to 250 is just absolutely impossible because if you have the idea of like, oh, I'm probably going to contend, then you're going to have a bunch of old guys from 170 to 200, and then you're going to have all the projects later. But a lot of you guys like to rebuild, and you like the uncertainty, and you don't like players over 27. And so you're taking all of the rookies, all of the maybe fourth-string shooting guards on the Cavs at 185. And so I had a really hard time with 170 to 250, and I know that you did too. Yeah, extremely difficult once we got you know, to me, it was like pretty much anything past 180. I just remember texting you saying, you know, this is going to be interesting to see how it turns out. And again, I'll go back to it. I'm glad we averaged it out because it makes it look so much better than if we just used our individual ranks. And it's, yeah, it's the hardest part to me is ranking a guy, a rookie like Joshua Primo versus a guy like Eric Bledsoe. I mean, what, what can you do with that? You know, one guy's not going to play at all this year. Another guy's going to be a somewhat useful secondary guard. And as Rhett mentioned, it's 100% based on your situation. What's your build? What's your winning? What's your um, championship timeline? Uh, and it's it's just all really subjective in in that sense. Thankfully, we have our averages to help us with that. 
two players that were hard to rank there on the same team. Now that the draft is over is Cade Cunningham and Killian Hayes. So Cade Cunningham, we had inside the top 20 as a dynasty asset, which some of you might think is crazy. Some of you might think it's crazy. We only have him at 17 rather than closer to 12, but I had him ahead of Booker and Shea Gilgis Alexander, which feels aggressive. You had him ahead of Dame and De'Aaron Fox, which also feels aggressive, but he might be just absolutely incredible right off the bat. Yeah, I was, I mean, he's on the list for a reason. He was extremely difficult to rank, especially in this top 20 where you really can't, you know, you can't afford to be wrong. It's your first pick. It is your own. Like if you're in a 30 team league and you take Cade Cunningham at 15, boy, you've got bigger stones than I do. You've got to be confident. And this is kind of what my thoughts on ranking Cade is, is like, okay, he's very similar to a LaMelo ball and we have LaMelo ball inside our top 10. So do I put Cade up in that range? And then I just looked at all the guys I'd be passing up on to take an, a Cade Cunningham who we both think is going to be great, but he is still somewhat of an unknown. So I did have to adjust that, rank him down a little bit, and it just ended up so being that Dame was kind of my the guy I would... I wouldn't take over Cade and that's where I ended up slotting him. So that's kind of where I, how I came about Cade's ranking at, at 16th overall for me. Absolutely. And so on the flip side of that, Killian Hayes, we had him 81st, which dropped him about three spots, which is makes sense when you consider there's only four rookies ahead of him just about, but he's so young you can't know for sure where Hayes is going to stack up relative to the role that we thought he was going to have last year and moving forward until we see what happens. So he's somebody to watch very carefully and see how Detroit uses him with and without Cade Cunningham. And it's interesting too, because the word from the Pistons camp is they're going to run both of them in the starting lineup. Hayes is probably going to be the primary ball handler, which is huge for his value that he can maintain that point guard role. He was also off injured last year, so I try not to hold that against him. I try not to drop him too much, but it was difficult. You knew you had to drop him a little bit because of the Cade Cunningham selection, but we didn't want to, again, we didn't want to overreact too long, too much for a 20-year-old who we didn't really get to see a whole lot of, and that's probably going to be the starting point guard on that team. For sure, and we've talked about it before ball handler without being a shooter means you should be the primary while the other player, even if they are better as a primary facilitator plays off ball because they can shoot better. The next group of players that was hard to rank is the elite Lakers. All of the Lakers were hard to rank because they did so many moves and we have no idea what their rotations are going to look like, but the elite players of the Lakers, the Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Russell Westbrook is so difficult, but Westbrook is the one that stayed constant, I think. Yeah, I mean, LeBron's hard enough to rank alone just because he's he's an, such an elite player. Obviously, the name speaks for itself, but from a fantasy perspective, he's does have some faults. So he's hard enough to rank. And then you add Russell Westbrook to the mix, and you're like, okay, how much is this going to affect LeBron? How much is this going to affect Russ? And our conclusion was this is definitely going to affect LeBron a lot more than it will affect Westbrook. Uh, heading into this season and moving forward. Anthony Davis is still a top 15 dynasty asset without a doubt. He had a terrible year last year with injuries and production coming off a championship high, but 
Yeah, you want to talk about hard to rank. Talk about anybody past those three because there's no idea who is going to be fantasy relevant or not. I, I think Taylor Horton Tucker is our highest ranked player off of those three. And then it gets into your monks, none, Baysmore. Like, it's just, it's impossible to know what that rotation is going to look like. And until we see, it might even be a committee. So it might not even matter where they are. They might all have diminished value because they're all playing a, a, a shared load. It's definitely something to keep an eye on because I, I do feel somebody's going to come out of there with a, a solid role, either as a starter or an off the bench scorer. Somebody's going to step up and they're definitely going to have some value. Obviously, we don't know who that is yet. It could be none, it could be Monk. Uh, it could be, you know, Baysmore having a, a resurgence year. Who who knows? So s- something to to really keep an eye on, and I'll be watching a lot of their preseason to uh, to see what those rotations look like early on. Next player that was hard to rank is R.J. Barrett, and we both love R.J. Barrett. He's 62 on our ranks. Dropped him down a little bit, or you did. You dropped him down 12 spots. Is that just you? second guessing the improvements he showed last year. Is that more about the players that got brought in around him? More so the players that got brought in around him. I I don't think his minutes change a a ton. He's still going to start. Tibbs is still there last I checked. So he's going to get minutes. That's, (laughs) that's no doubt. But when, anytime you bring in a guy like Kimba who demands the ball, puts up 15 shots a game, isn't really known as a facilitator first player. You know, he's definitely a, a create for himself, pick and roll type player so that kind of dampers a little bit of, of Barrett's value in the near term. I didn't drop him a ton because we, you know, the improvements he showed last season was substantial and he's still only 21 years old, which you can't overstate that enough. So I didn't want to drop him down too much, but it near term, it, it does affect his value a little bit. Kimba coming in and Fournier coming in. It'll be really interesting to see if the shooting numbers he showed last year from deep hold true, especially if he ends up being off ball more. The last couple guys that we want to talk about, first off, the biggest role shift guys were hardest to rank like Drummond and Oladipo for me, just because I think Drummond's going to be valuable, but also I dropped him like 60 something spots. So that, that matters a ton. Oladipo, same situation, but the last guy, you guys are probably going to be upset. I know some of you are going to be at me in the discord almost immediately. The hardest guy to rank is Poku because I just can't do it. I just cannot put him. I saw somebody draft him in a mock draft inside the top 70 and just miss me with all of that. Every mock draft I've done, he has not fallen outside the top 100. And there's, I mean, we have him ranked 120 for those that are wondering which you may think is extremely low for a player of his caliber, his upside. But man, I, it's I would so never hard take him at 120. It just, I wouldn't do it. And I think, I think I, I agree hundred percent. We were both had him in that almost around that hundred range. Cause that's where he tends to go. Like in the eighties, typically uh, in the mocks that we've done and what we've seen. And even then, like right before this, we started to record, we were kind of reviewing and like, man, I would not take Poku there. And you're like, no, I wouldn't either. So we were almost like peer pressured into putting him higher because of the, all the stuff that we get and what we hear on him. Uh, we hundred percent understand that the opportunity should be there for him. 
He has just tremendous upside as a do-it-all player, a unicorn-type player. But he needs to show it. He's super raw. He needs to put on a little bit more weight, a little bit more strength. And we, we can't overstate it that the, the Thunder have so many picks. You just never know where they're going to end up in the players that could, they're going to be adding to that team. If you believe in Poku, we're not going to sway you. You, you've got your train of thought. We've got ours. I'm not saying that I won't change my opinion, but man, it's just, it's so tough. I'm just a skeptic of him and I'm, yeah. I'll freely admit that. And, and a lot of it comes down to the players around him. You know, when you're, when you're looking at that 80 range where he tends to be going, I, I mean, it's so tough. Are you going to take him over a, a known commodity, you know, like Robert Williams, who we were both really high on? Are you going to take him over a player with tremendous upside in Patrick Williams, who has more of a role? You know, it's, it's hard. You, you start asking yourself those questions, and then you keep going down and down the rankings. And we tend to lean towards stability versus that unknown. We sure do. But let us know if you think differently. We're really interested to see where you have Poku in your personal rankings, some, some of the draft spots you've taken him at and felt good about and, and maybe why I, I want to hear about that. It's so interesting to have discussions about players that you feel so strongly about one direction or the other, and then maybe we can both learn something. So that would be great. Thank you very much for all of the ratings and reviews. We got to 20 faster than I thought we would, honestly. And we've been just getting so much support about the show. We, we can't thank everybody enough for all of the support we're getting all the feedback seems relatively positive and just just been very surprising. We thought we'd just be talking to ourselves. So can't thank you guys enough. Be sure to check out our dynasty rankings over at hoop-ball.com. You fantasy past members go in there on the left-hand side. You'll see all of the different topics that we talk about dynasties all the way down at the bottom because we're just a smaller market until you guys share with your friends and boost us up that leaderboard but click on the dynasty rankings you'll see all of them in there you'll see the sheet and if you have any questions about where somebody is why you think they should be higher or lower please let us know we'll be more than happy to take those questions and give you an expanded thought on why a player is where they are get us all your questions in for the mailbag now that we've hit that 20 rating slash review mark Follow us on Twitter, and if you have episode ideas, something you want us to expand on, it doesn't just have to be trade thoughts. It could be topics of conversation, something you think about your league, one rule, or something that you don't think is prevalent among Dynasty Leagues. We'd love to hear about that if you even make it into an entire episode if it warrants that much conversation. Rhett is commissioner of multiple leagues. I am. I have a lot of options. He gets not all the good complaints. At any of them. He gets, so I, he gets I, everything. I hear all of the options, so I'll gladly hear some more, and I'll put it to a vote, at least if you upset about it, and then nothing will happen. So <laughs> that's just how that works. Thank you very much for tuning in. We'll see you guys next time. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.